This week on the podcast, we're having a conversation about connection. From meeting in person to spending most of our days communicating through a screen, there's no doubt the world we're living in has changed. My guest is best-selling author and global thought leader on business storytelling, Gabrielle Dolan, and she told me recently that creating real connection and engagement is needed now more than ever, and I agree. Today, I give her a call to explore how we can do real connection better in this new digital world we're part of. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author, and mentor from Melbourne, Australia, and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network, and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now, through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really, the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining me on the phone today is Gabrielle Dolan, and she's a highly sought after international keynote speaker and educator on real communication and business storytelling. Her clients include Telstra, EY, Australia Post, NAB, ANZ, Amazon, Vodafone, just to name drop a few. And she told me the recent highlight of her professional career was running storytelling workshops for the Obama Foundation in December last year, where she got to personally meet and shake the hand of Barack Obama. No big deal. Rao's the best-selling author of five books on storytelling and real communication and is currently writing her sixth. Her dedication to the communication industry was recognized when she was awarded the 2020 Communicator of the Year by the International Association of Business Communicators across the Asia-Pacific region. And it's an absolute privilege to have her on the podcast. Rao, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you, Shane. We've got so much that we're going to talk about, um, but obviously um, people may or may not know you. And so I want to give people a chance to connect with you. And one of the things we do in every, every episode is give people some fast facts about you. So three questions. Um, where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do with yourself now? Oh, wow. So I was born in Melbourne. So I've born and lived in Melbourne all my life. My first job, so my first like real job was yep. I was a trainee computer operator um, for the Australian Wool Testing Authority. Wow. So that was way back in 1985 when computers were pretty mainframe, mainframe computer operator, which they don't even really exist anymore. And I learned more about wool than I ever thought <laughs> I would ever need to know. I'm interested because you said it's, and this is something people often say, my first real job was this. What was your first non-real job? Well, I used to I used to work with my dad. He was a spray painter, so I'd often go and work with dad on the weekends, just helping him spray offices and stuff. Right. Um, and I thought I don't even know if I got paid for it, so I can't <laughs> remember. I'm sure I did. I sure. And then um, I had a I had a job at uh, Woolworths for about two weeks, stacking shelves and. Um, I only had it for two weeks because that's when I got the job at the Wool Testing Authority. But I just used to run into my mum and all her friends and go around going, where did these go? Where did these go? I would be asking them where stuff went. So, yeah, that's why I say my real job. 
<laughs> I love it. And and so tell us a little bit about what you do with yourself now. Yeah, so now I run my own practice uh, teaching business people how to communicate more effectively through stories. So I, I used to work at NAB for about 17 years and I left NAB, well, over 15 years ago now to teach people the whole concept of communicating more effectively through stories. So that's mm. that's predominantly what I do now. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of your books, and obviously, um, I've I've said this to you in the past, but I mean, Stories for Work is one of those go-to books. You know, you've got those go-to books that you gift to people um, as going. You know what? If I was to write a book, this is everything I would say to you. So I'm not going to rewrite. It. I'm just going to give you this book because it has everything that I would want to say to people. And and your book on storytelling is is definitely one of those classics for me that I that I give to a lot of people. Um, and you know, obviously, you you have your finger on the pulse a lot in this communication space and you you see things, you notice things, you're in conversations with people and, and the world we're living in is a bit of a strange place right now in the middle of all this kind of COVID situation we find ourselves in. What are some of the things that you're noticing in some of the big changes, the way that people are communicating now? Uh, look, there's a couple of things and it sort of depends on the individuals and the companies. I've, I've sort of noticed that some people are becoming a lot more informal with their communication, which yeah. is good. And I think the whole... Working from home, you know, we saw, I, I sort of noticed that uh, we've, we've been talking about years to bring our whole selves to work and the only reason we've now achieved that is because everyone's working from home. Yeah. So I've, I've noticed communication in some instances has been a little bit uh, less formal, which is good because, and you know, maybe it's just a case of, you know, people are having meetings and their kids are walking in or they've got their cat on their lap and it's just it creates an opportunity for more human conversations mm. Um, so I have noticed that. I've, I've also noticed, though, that perhaps the people that were not good at communicating in the first place um, are sort of using this as an opportunity to not communicate. When right. you know, when I sort of think, you know, we 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 need we need better communication now more than ever. So mm. that's what I've sort of noticed a bit. Even one of the the conversations I've seen from people is that it seems really easy um, as a go-to to be able to go, well, let's just put out another you know press release or let's put out another internal um, email to or, or all staff email. Because like kind of what you touched on there is people maybe who lack some of the either capability or the confidence to be able to put themselves you know on a screen and to, to you know communicate it abroad, abroad to the broader organization now find themselves kind of hiding a little bit behind some of the all staff emails. Do, have you seen that? Have you noticed that? Yeah, and I think that's it's an easy cop out to go. Well, it's too like it's too hard to have one on one, so let's have a group call and mm. everyone zoomed out. So let's just send out an email. And I think you know sometimes that might be the case, but I think sometimes it's a bit of a convenient story and a cop out for the people that never really wanted to do that and never saw the value in it. That this is now a very convenient excuse for them to not do communication. Mm. I'm I'm finding that there is this conversation happening at the moment where leaders know that it's really important right now to help people feel connected and to connect with people and to help people feel engaged. But at the same time, they're wrestling with that um, tension of what you just talked about, which is like people are, you know, people are too zoomed out. They're, they're done with screens. And so almost by default, we, we opt not to to add another Zoom call to things. And do you reckon this is impacting the way that we're connecting with people? Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing there? Yeah, look, I think it is. And, and, and just on what you just said then, I was just thinking, I don't think people are over Zoom. So, mm. like, we sort of go, oh, people are over Zoom or over virtual teleconference. They're over boring Zooms <laughs> and boring teleconference. It's, yes. it's just like, you know, we're – 
we're not over meetings or over presentations. We're over boring meetings and yeah. presentations. So, um, you know, I, I ran, I've been really, like, really, really pleasantly surprised. A, a few weeks ago, I ran um, a, a workshop that went, went for three hours. And I must admit, part of me was going, oh, this is going to be a big ask for people mm. to be on, on a Zoom training session for three hours. The and so I deliberately try to make it really interactive and really engaging and try to emulate the face-to-face experience as much as possible. And the overwhelming feedback I got was people said the three hours flew by. It yeah. absolutely flew by. So you need to put a lot more effort into making sure that these Zoom meetings are as interactive and engaging as possible. And like I just said, you know, if, if you were – we see communicators and leaders that were not very good at that face-to-face. Mm. They're terrible at it virtually. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's sort of to me it's a different skill set um, and it's, it takes a lot more effort from the person running the meeting. And let's let's just not assume, oh, it's Zoom, it's virtual, so it's not going to be interactive and engaging, it's going to be boring. Well, let's just not assume that. Let's make it different. Yeah, I like that perspective. It's not about, um, you know, this is another boring Zoom. It's probably just a conversation with another boring person. Boring person, exactly. (laughs) And so one of the things, obviously, the world's changed in that most of what we're delivering online, delivering right now is online. Um, We can't get around it. We just can't get face to face with people. And so do you think there's the ability to be able to connect with people and like that real connection in the same way that we probably could if we were sitting face to face? Because in many ways, screen don't feel very real but can they be real I, th- I think they can be real and look I, I, I don't think we can replicate it a hundred percent but we can get close and and we can get a lot closer than what we what we think we're doing um, I, I know uh, you know just even for example when I do a presentation virtually I stand up like mm. I'm not sitting down because if I was doing it on stage or you know in a, in a room to 50 people I'd be standing up I wouldn't be sitting down so it's that level of energy it's um you know even something really simple like training yourself to look at the camera yeah. so it is like you're making eye contact because it's and again so many distractions where you're looking at yourself, on the screen or you're looking at other things and that, you know, that, that creates a disconnection as it mm. would, you know, if you were talking to someone face to face and they were constantly to- looking to the left of you, you, you'd be going, what are they looking at? So, <laughs> but, that, but that's, you know, we don't, we didn't learn that, did we? We didn't learn that you've got to force yourself to look at the camera. So it, it, there are things that you can um, like just physical things you can do to create that connection but then you know and maybe I'm biased because my thing is all around using story to create connection mm. but I truly believe that story is needed now more than ever so when we're in this physical distancing we know storytelling creates a human connection so you know in this remote learning and remote working environment we need to be thinking about how we can bring stories more into the way that we you know present speak to our people virtually. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you touched on the idea of stories and, and and this is the kind of conversation where we're starting to dive below the surface of just, you know, getting out and presenting more information to people. And, and in many ways, um, you know, Herbert Simon was a psychologist and he talked about the state of the population as being information rich and attention poor. And that's the kind of audience that we're dealing with now are people who are already feeling a bit bombarded, but stories have this ability to be able to cut through the clutter, right? This ability to be able to connect in a really meaningful way. Um, I mean, what does storytelling look like in a digital environment? 
So first of all, over Zoom when you're doing meetings, it, it's very much the same as it would in mm. a in a face to face session. And and I also think too, I mean, we all know what we're doing when we're on a you know a Zoom call or a video conferencing call. We're all you know cooking the dinner or cleaning our teeth or you know <laughs> doing. You, you you're competing with a lot more distractions yeah. when people are, when you're presenting virtually because they're not in the room. Um, so what, what, why story is so powerful then is because it grabs people's attention. So, yeah. you, you know, you could be slightly distracted with the kid or the dog or the cat or the dinner, um, and someone starts to tell a story and we, it engages the brain differently. So everyone, everyone will come back into full attention when you're sharing a story. So that's, that's some of the things that happens in a virtual setting. Um, you said specifically digital in a digital world. Mm-hmm. There, there are things like video and you know social media and all that stuff just really lends itself to storytelling. Yeah. So again, how how you can use those formats to share your story, I guess, to a wider wider audience if if that's if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see a lot more of. Um, you touched on it at the start a little bit about senior leaders within organisations right now. Um, we've been almost invited into their homes, and mm. we get to to see this person in their natural habitat, so to speak. And um, you know, I've heard people telling stories about leaders in their organisation who have just been sharing stories really vulnerably about the way they're feeling, what they're experiencing, um, and the way it's been able to cut through and connect with people and, and almost makes a person feel a little bit more human when we sh- share stories. Do you find that that's, you know, part of sharing stories is that it makes us kind of a little bit more human or helps us connect at a more human level? Yeah, well, that, absolutely. I mean, one of, one of the absolute critical reasons why storytelling is such a powerful leadership skill, if we just even look at the whole mm. leadership skill, is it humanises the leader. So we, we hear, again, we hear a lot about, oh, our leaders need to be more human, we need to be more approachable, um, you know, they need to be more authentic. And so so what does that mean? So if they're sharing a personal story about when they were a kid or sharing a story about their kids or sharing a story about, you know, falling over when they took the dog for a walk. It's showing some form of vulnerability that people go, that people go, oh, you're human. Yeah. You're, you have the same challenges. And leaders will go, well, of course I'm human. And we like it's literally saying, well, what does that mean? It means you're you're more approachable. It means you have the same self-doubts I do. It means you have the same challenges that I do. And this makes you more, you know, for want of a better word, more human. So mm. stories do that. Um, now I'm not I'm not suggesting when you share stories in business it's just random stories like <laughs> about your dog or whatever. But they all they always should have a purpose. Yeah. So it's it's almost I think, you know, the main reason you're sharing a personal story in a professional business setting is to communicate your message more effectively. But mm. the hidden benefits of it is that every time you share a story that reveals a little bit about yourself, people get to know you better. And mm. And therefore, it actually strengthens the relationship and it can and increase trust. And, and there's a whole heap of research that says, you know, when someone shares a personal story, I not only connect with the story, but I, I now trust the person who's telling me and I have this greater connection with A, the story, but all the B, the person sharing the story. So, you know, it's just... I don't know. I might be biased, but there's so many advantages to sharing <laughs> stories in business. Yeah. And I mean, most people who would be listening could reflect on an experience that they've had with somebody and they might have felt almost disconnected or distant from the person that was, was 
um, that was in leadership or, and then all of a sudden that person has taken a moment and not even a long moment, just a, a short moment to share something in terms of a story that revealed a little bit more about who they were, that, that kind of reinforced a key message. And that person's walked away and it, and stories stay with people, right? And this is yeah. some of the things that you were, you were talking about is that stories have this ability to connect, but they, they don't just connect, they stay with us, right? They stay with you. And look, when I run when I run my workshops, Ryan, I, I would have, um, you know, a lot of the times they're in tech teams, a lot of the times they're in in departments where people don't know each other. But mm. but let's just say, for example, it's an intact team, and I break them into groups, and they have to share their story. And it's like you said, it's a moment. It's mm. not a it's not a bloody war and peace. It's a <laughs> one or two minute story. But and after. I always ask the question, so I always debrief it by saying, tell me what you liked about that process. Mm. And without fail, they all say, I feel closer to the people I just shared a story with. So mm. I feel like there's a connection. And that happens whether it's an intact team that have built a stronger connection or sometimes it's it's people that have never met each other before and they, they've created an instant connection. Mm. Um, so and that, and that's again what the story does. That this is why it's such a powerful leadership skill. It's why it's a powerful um, sales skill. It's why it's a powerful influencing and teaching skill. So because it, you know, can have that effect as well. Yeah, and you talked about it. You touched on it just there that it's not just a leadership skill in terms of um, helping our. Uh, employees connect with our leaders, but at a business level, this is also something that storytelling comes in into play in terms of developing that instant connection and attraction to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um you know a lot of the work I when I first started this fifteen years ago, I would be brought in to work with like the executive leadership team because they sort of saw it. Businesses sort of saw it as a very just very leadership and very senior leadership. And then, you know, over time they'd be going, well, every single um, person that manages people, like, you know, first like team leaders, frontline team leaders need this skill. And then and go, absolutely. And then people would go, well, our salespeople need this skill <laughs> like, because it, and yes. And it, like, you know, in the end I had clients going, anyone that has any interaction with any customer <laughs> needs this skill. So um, it, it's literally if, if you're trying to communicate something or influence something, um, you know, influence an outcome, storytelling mm. can help. So it's regardless of your title of leadership, but when you're trying to influence, you know, influence or connect or, you know, or communicate something better, then then you just got to think about how stories can help with yeah. that. And they do, they they almost let down the walls a little bit to allow people to see more of who you are. And where, yeah. do, you, where do you think the defining line is or, or where's the line here between the vulnerability of a story and just kind of almost that false vulnerability that, you know, we, we go, okay, well, I want people to connect with me. So I'm going to tell a personal story and it's going to be really vulnerable and everyone will connect with me. Like where's this yeah. dividing line between like almost the good kind of vulnerability and connection mm. that we can build through storytelling and the false sense of that? Yeah. Look, Shane, you raise a really valid point, uh, uh, you know, as organizations, you know, I, I think as, as, sharing vulnerability, vulnerable stories gets more traction and credibility. We see some organisations go, right, we're going to get our leaders to share vulnerable stories <laughs> so people like them all, right? Yeah. And it becomes, it switches over from influence to manipulation. Yeah. And, and that's, and, you know, you, you'd said it right, where's the line? And it is a bit of a, 
it's a bit of a zigzag line because it will be different. But you know when someone shares a story and you just walk away going, that just sounded A, like crap, or B, they were deliberately trying to do it to manipulate, like almost deliberately trying to do it to get people to cry. um, So I I think that's the line. Mm. So my my, – you know, my theory is you'd be really clear on the message and you, the stories don't always have to be vulnerable. Like yeah. they don't have to be vulnerable. Um, and I find that a lot of leaders are very cautious about being vulnerable because, you know, we were all raised and, you know, they probably spent all their career being told that showing vulnerability is a weakness mm. as opposed to now we know it's a greater sign of strength um, from the amazing work Brene Brown's been doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, the moment – the moment it starts to feel like manipulation, it will lose its power and potentially have an adverse reaction where people mm. will just go, nah, that just sounds like you're trying to um, manipulate me. Yeah, I think people have a really good um, radar uh, to oh, pick up absolutely. on some of the BS that comes out of people's yeah, mouths. Absolutely. And and your your um, latest book on on real communication, like, is is really kind of cutting through some of the BS that we give people, and whether it's jargon or any of those kinds of things. People have this. We we have a sensitivity to recognise when the person sitting across from us isn't being genuine or authentic, right? Yeah, exactly. Look, I think done well, storytelling is the most respectful form of communication because first of all it's pretty you know it's not easy telling the story if it it was pretty easy I wouldn't have a job for a start (laughs) but people sort of think oh story how hard can it be but there's a very very big difference between sharing stories with you know our mates down the pub Mm. um not that we can do that anymore but you know what I mean (laughs) and sharing stories in a professional setting so there's a very big difference so first of all for a leader to share a story, it's there's some skill involved. Mm. But also, if they are sharing some form of vulnerability, that's really courageous for them. So there's actually a lot of work and effort going in for a leader to stand up and share a story. So I think most people, most leaders come from the, a very good place to say, I'm going to put myself out there because I'm doing this because, A, I know it will help you know, it could be about help them understand the change better, help them be connected to a company value, or just help them understand it, like actually help them understand what they're trying to say. So done right, it's and most most people, the vast majority of people come from a place of respect. It's, but it's like anything, you, you're going to have people that use it for evil as opposed to good. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I'm sure you hear all the time, I hear it all the time um, from people, especially in the area of storytelling, um, from business leaders who go, you know, we, we get that the message is really the, the crucial part in all of this, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, we often say to people, like, if people walk away and remember your story but forget your message, then everyone's missed the point. Um, yep. And we kind of get that that's important. But most of the kind of objections that people have around storytelling is people just say either a i've got no stories to tell or b mm. my stories aren't that interesting and and those are the two kind of big objections what would you say to some of those people yeah and they are some of the big uh, objections they go I, I, a lot again a lot of people go, i just don't have any stories to tell because of normal it's like you know <laughs> god damn your parents for raising you normal um and the point is i try to emphasize that sharing stories in business it's not about your big aha life-changing moments it's not about climbing mount everest it's not about running marathons mm. um it's your day-to-day stories so like i actually take people through a process to help them start thinking about all these little stories that they have 
they could use to get a message across. And they all don't have to be vulnerable. They all don't have to be life-changing. They don't have to be life-changing at all. It could just be little things that happen. Um, what I find is when people sort of finish my training, their, their storytelling radar goes up a bit and, mm. and well, a lot actually, and then life goes on as normal and something will happen and they go, oh, I could use that as a story, I could make that as a story. So I find, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens and especially if it's bad stuff or stupid stuff or funny stuff. My initial reaction was how could I use this story to get yeah. a message across because it's such a really good story. So not, not so so first of all our life is rich of stories. I don't I don't care how conservative you have mm. lived your life or how normal you think it is. Um, you've got stories. And then the other the other um, reluctance is people would go, but why would anyone be interested? Why would anyone be interested <laughs> yeah. in me sharing a story about, you know, my kid or, or when I was a kid? And then, and then what I find, so I, t I talked about, you know, when I run my workshops and I debrief it by saying, what did you like about that? The other thing people say is I thought my story would, would no one would be interested in my story. Mm. But my story was pretty much the same as everyone else's and I was really interested in everyone's story. And, you know, I could give them I could give them 40 minutes and that, that it's really hard to break them up because they're sharing stories. So they actually realise, they experience that they actually really enjoyed listening to other people's just normal stories. Um, so that, that they sort of experience that that's not the case, even though they can walk into the training thinking that's the case. Mm, it's a big mindset shift for people to recognize yeah. that we actually, and we also value hearing other people's stories. We, yeah. we, 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 we enjoy listening to it. I remember I had someone in my workshop and their first job was that they, they actually, um, their family joined a circus and they traveled around in a circus and he went, Oh, it's not that interesting. I went, <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> like, it's so interesting. And then another person said, oh, you know, I ran a marathon. And, and they go, yeah, but lots of people have run a marathon. I'm like, yeah, but nobody's had your like, experience no with running yeah, a marathon. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, um, and again, so, and it's not about everyone's life story. Yeah. It's just little little things that can happen to you. And you go, well, how could I use use this story? Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone who was, I guess, trying to help their team be able to look at the current situation they're in, look at through a fresh set of eyes, kind of go, what could we learn? How could we grow? And I remember asking, saying, you know, what kind of what stories could you tell that might help illustrate this idea? She goes, I don't have any stories. And I said, okay, we, we, we spent ages trying to dig for some stories. I said, okay, let's just talk to me about what you did on the weekend. And she mm. said, well, I, you know, I walk around this park and, you know, I do this kind of loop every single day. And she goes, oh, actually, I'm walking past this um, on the loop that I go past every day and I realize that there's a building there. And she said, and I've walked this park every day for the last 18 months and didn't realize that they were constructing a building the entire time. And she said, I remember it being a vacant block of land. I looked and I saw it again and went, that's a completed building. And she was like, how did I miss yeah. that? And I was like, yeah. here's what, well, I mean, what a perfect example to illustrate this idea of being able to see something that's in front of you every day and then not actually notice it. And again, like this power of like, it, it was seemingly insignificant to her, but it created this really powerful kind of metaphor and story that she was able to share. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it sort of, uh, you know, what, what you're saying then is you, you were helping your clients go, okay, what's the message? What stories you can use? And that's normally how it happens. You sort of go, okay, these are the messages I need to communicate, the company values or the change or the strategy, whatever it is. And we try to find stories. That's normally the way. But again, once you realize the power of stories and once you realize there's so many stories you could use, yeah. something will happen to you and you just go, okay, I'm going to find a 
find a way to use that. Yeah. I um a few weeks, a few Friday nights ago, my um so my eldest daughter Alex, she's nineteen, and she introduced me a few months ago to wine drops that you put in red wine, right. and it's you know it's meant to it's meant to reduce the effects preservatives have on you. So you put five drops in your bottle of red wine, and you know I, I don't know whether it's a placebo or not, but it seems to work <laughs> for me. And then. You know, the other Friday, um, you know, I open up a bottle of red and, and I see the wine drops sitting there. So I put the five drops in, give Alex a glass, and then she goes to refill the glasses. And she said, Mum, you didn't put these in the wine, did you? And I went, yeah. You'd like, And she goes, these are eye drops, not <laughs> wine drops, right? And I'm just going, oh, my. And she's going, you probably poisoned this and blah, blah, blah. And and I actually look at I look at the eye drops and it's a, the title is Blink. They're called Blink, and right. their tagline is Relief in Every Blink. And I'm thinking, even if I read that, I probably would have thought it said Drink Relief in Every Drink, <laughs> which is very valid on a Friday night. Um, but straight away, I just said, and it even came out of my mouth. I was like, Well, I'm going to find a way to use his story. So can you see how a story could happen and then you go, well, what message could I give from that? Now that could be a message around making assumptions, how we just assume, you know, there was a bottle that looked similar um, but but, because it was next to the red wine bottle, I just assumed it was Mm. the wine drops. So, I mean, you you could make heaps of messages out of that. So I just – so that happens too sometimes, which is – which can be a lot of fun when you're going, oh, how can I use this story? Yeah, and I love that perspective because it enables – it's almost like you wear a a set of glasses that you start to view your life from a different perspective and you go, Mm. how can I – like what are some of the stories that are taking place every day that I might think are really normal? Um, And we often bring these stories out when we're gathering with friends and we talk about our weeks and we share these stories, but we've never actually captured them. And, and thought like how could I use that more intentionally and share this in a business context yeah and, th- and that's what it's about when you, when you when you realize the power of stories it's it's it is coming back to how can I start to capture these and just start to use them more more strategically which means you know when I'm communicating it's a lot more engaging than just showing I don't know, a PowerPoint, for example. (laughs) And like even when people were listening to you tell the story about um, the eye drops just then, people would have engaged in a different way. And we go, well, you know, I really enjoy listening to that, but my my work colleagues wouldn't enjoy hearing that, right? And people Mm. go, well, no, you know, it's it's fine to tell stories privately, but in in a professional sense, it's not quite the environment for it. And yet below the surface of all of that, at a human to human level, we all deeply enjoy listening to, to stories. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, I could share that story to a hundred people. Not a hundred people will like it, and that, but that's fine. And and so some people go, well, what if, what if you, not everyone likes it? It was like, well, not if, what if not everyone gets it? And I was like, <laughs> well, are we, are we confident that every time we're communicating something now, that we're getting a hundred percent of people understanding mm. what we're saying? And so I say, look, if you're confident that everything you say reaches a hundred percent of the people and a hundred percent fully understand it, then you probably don't need a story. But but that is never, ever the case. So mm. it's thinking about how we do it. And and then, of course, it's having a multiple um, a variety of stories that it's not just, you know, you don't want to be that person that they go, oh, my God, if I hear that story one more time or or if I hear one more story about their kids or if I hear one more story about the bloody marathon they could, you know. <laughs> so you want, you'd need a variety of stories. But, yeah. again, what we're, what we're talking about, once your radar is up and once you realise that these day-to-day stories can be used, you will by default start creating a whole suite of stories that you could use. 
even for people who are listening to, to this conversation who might feel a little bit like this is one of the other objections that I've heard from people. They, they think about the context they're in or the environment in that they're in and the stereotypes that might sit within that. And they go, well, my audience doesn't like hearing stories yeah. because they like hearing facts and they like hearing yeah. data. So they wouldn't like stories, right? What would you yeah. say to those people? Uh, Shane, it's a really good point. I hear that all the time. It was like, well, I couldn't share a story because I'm speaking to the finance people <laughs> or I couldn't share a story. I couldn't share a story to the board. Yeah. Um, to me that is, um, so first of all, what I say, humans are hardwired to tell stories and we're hardwired to listen to stories. So if your audience is human, they will respond to stories. <laughs> now, and so I, I think that I could not tell a story to the board, for example, because they want to hear the facts, is a convenient story we're telling ourselves mm. as opposed to I don't have the courage to share a personal story wow. to the board. Now, having having said that, you might know your audience is very just give me the facts, just give me the facts, just give me the facts. Mm. So first of all, you want your stories to be shorter than yeah. they would normally would be. So my, my guideline is about one to two minutes. Um, so if, if maybe your story should be closer to one minute than two minutes. Yeah. But you know what? One of the biggest mistakes people make is they start their story with let me tell you a story. <laughs> Yeah. And so when you know when you be, if if you're dealing with people who like facts and you start your story with let me tell you a story they have turned off instantly yeah instantly and they probably will just go please don't tell me a story just tell me the facts but if you start your story in a you know more natural way like oh actually that reminds me of on the weekend I did this you'll be halfway you'll be through your story before they've even noticed yeah um, you're telling a story because again. When we, because we're hardwired to hear stories and we listen to them differently, we actually suspend judgment. And again, there's all this research going on that we suspend judgment. The brain suspends judgment when we're listening to stories as opposed to facts and data and logic and all that type of stuff. One of the things that, um, you know, again, we'll kind of, um, finish off the conversation maybe with some some I like that you talked about time making sure that their stories are succinct making sure they've got a really clear message and and not starting with let me tell you a story um, and we yeah. might finish with some I guess some other practical tips that a person might be able to, to take away and apply with storytelling especially in this digital context we find ourselves in but you're in the middle of and we're going to have a conversation next year about um, you know your your next book which is coming out but you're in the middle of kind of researching and writing at the moment and you're exploring a lot in, in terms of um, the research side of um, storytelling. Um, what are some of the things that you're learning about it and you're experiencing at the moment in terms of um, some of the research for the next book? Yeah, so um, the next book, I actually haven't announced the title of the next book, but let's do it here first. Let's ah, do it okay, all right. I've, I've, had to, I've had to change the name of the title for, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the working title, which I, I think will be the title, not I think it will be the title, is Magnetic Stories. Great. So how to connect with customers and engage employees through brand storytelling. Now, the idea, of, if you think of the metaphor about magnetic, is what stories um, have the capacity to do is to, to create this instant connection. So mm. it's like an instant bang connection, but then also almost this long-term loyalty so you can you, know, you can hear a story and still be remembering it five years later, ten years later, twenty years later, and actually still 
being, you know, your decisions are driven by that. So you could be mm. buying the same product from a story you heard 10 years ago. Um, you could be supporting or rave about a particular person or a company from a story that you heard years ago. So that's that's the concept of um, magnetic stories. And so I'm doing a whole lot of research on the types of stories that businesses should use. So, mm. like, if you've got a really cool founder story, like how the company started, why aren't we sharing that? You know, you often look at people's websites and the owl story is just a timeline or mm. some corporate jargon that means nothing. So sharing founder stories, sharing um, stories of your employees doing really, really cool things, um, sharing stories of what you're doing in the community and the, and the win-win situation that can have not only for you as a company but for the employee that you're sharing about mm. and the cause that they're supporting. Um, so culture stories, stories of, you know, leaders sharing stories about the values and of your employees living the values. So it's thinking about all the different types of stories, and this is the concept of brand storytelling. Um, a lot of people think brand storytelling is one story, mm. and it's not. It's a whole heap of stories. So, um, you know, that's another word that's been bandied around brand storytelling. I think people are getting it really wrong. Mm. So um, it's so I'm just I'm just finding out so many you know, just so many cool stories that have changed my opinion of the company. Um, I'll give you a really quick example. I I grew up, I was a massive tomboy when I grew up. I just like, you know, I had brothers and cousins. I'd play football. I was never into dolls. Um, I was just, I was into sport. I would never be dolls. And when I had two daughters and I distinctly remember telling my entire family that they are not to buy them a Barbie doll. I just, the concept right. of the Barbie doll, just like you're not, <laughs> I, I actually, I made, they weren't allowed to buy anything pink and they weren't allowed to buy typical girls, um, you know, toys and a Barbie mm. doll was specifically mentioned. And I saw, I saw a speaker a couple of months ago and she shared the story of the woman who created the Barbie doll, who was the actual, um, wife of the the CEO of Mattel and the reason she created it because she saw her daughter playing with these paper cutout dolls of you know and clothes right. and her son her son had all you know the Batman and the, all those figurines and she said girls need a um a doll like a three-figure doll they can play with not a paper doll that they can imagine what their future career would be so, like, you know, they had corporate Barbie. They had right. – and so it was all around that. And then – so because I sort of grew up, you know, and people go, oh, Barbie is sort of shame, body shaming girls. Mm. I mean, first of all, it, like, you know, her legs are three size the time. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But that complete – like, it's completely changed my opinion mm. of, of Barbie. And um, I, I put something on LinkedIn, that story, and the amount of people that said, oh, my God, the same, I remember doing it. So wow. that story that story created an instant connection for me and actually changed my opinion of what I now think of that product. Um, and that's what stories can do. I love that. This this whole conversation we're having is about how do we create real connection with the people that we're engaging with, whether it's a remote workforce, whether it's a customer, whether it's any kind of key stakeholder in our business. Mm. We can actually change people's perception of us and change the way that they engage with us and create that instant attraction, but also that long-term influence um, if we are willing to be able to incorporate stories. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember when I shared it on LinkedIn, the, the, the amount of comments I got and feedback was going, I'm so glad you shared this. I love Barbie and I've always loved, I've always loved playing with her and pretending I was astronaut Barbie. Like all these people going, I pretended I was, you know, um, graphic designer Barbie. Wow. And there was one person that said, I would never like Barbie until the body image reflects reality. And it was like, okay, fine. It was like, so again, <laughs> yeah. example, not going to get 100%. And, you know, and I just think that she's a plastic doll. She's, yeah. Which bit of reality are we trying to reflect? <laughs> like, yeah. So, again, it just, it just, just, it was a really amazing, um, well, it, the, the effect it had on me, but also I noticed the effect it had on other people. A great reminder. Um, and so, I guess, bringing the conversation into close, um, some quick tips that you might be able to leave people with um, things that they should be considering right now when they're, you know, telling stories um, in this kind of online environment that we find ourselves in. Anything that you would encourage and, and leave people with? Look, um, I think a couple of things we talked about, make sure they're really short, one to two minutes, yep. which means you've got to be really clear on your message. So one of the other biggest mistakes people make is they try to cram too many messages into your story. Mm. Don't don't start with let me tell you a story and don't end with the moral of the story. <laughs> of God, um, if, I mean, if anyone's really interested going, well, how do we go about that? If they go to my website there's um, and you subscribe and get this a seven-day storytelling starter kit, and what that is, you'll receive an email from me once a day for seven days, really short video, um, and it's just some valuable stuff in there to really just start you help thinking about where you could use story. And it, one, of, one of the days it does take you to, through the process of how do you start finding your own story. So I think that's... You know, if anyone was interested, it's a really good starting point. Yeah, definitely yeah, for people who are point. who've kind of got. I think what we've done in this conversation is piqued people's interest to go. Actually, this is something that could be really powerful as a tool for any leader or business. But now the next step is, well, how do I how do I start yeah. this kind of conversation? I think that's a really great place to start. Um, so be, so I'll put the link to the website in the in the show notes for this, but people can just go to gabrieldolan.com um to to find more information about that. And obviously, um, coming up very soon, you've got some public workshops which are around storytelling. Um, um and obviously presenting online and you know potentially in the world one day on stage as yeah. well um, and so yeah. so do you want to tell us a little bit about some of those workshops coming yeah up? so i mean one of the one of the bloody cool benefits of going virtual is i used to run these public workshops once a year and i'd normally just run them in melbourne and sydney um and now because we've moved to a virtual setting in fact i, I was halfway through i think i got to run it in sydney and before the our world collapsed so i never got to do melbourne this year so i decided to run um virtual programs so they're public there's there's two in october and two in september and two are on story um storytelling so again if this is something you really mm. want to be get into those public workshops and the other one is how to present with impact both on stage and online so you know whether you're presenting in person or whether you're presenting virtually um that one's for you so they're both three hours of i've adopted a pricing model it's based on the new zealand maori tradition of koha which means you pay what you can afford but you respect the value you're getting Mm -hmm. so there's literally three pricing options depending on where you are financially because um, we're all aware that, you know, individuals and businesses have been hit financially. So, um, yeah, you, you pay what 
you can afford but respect the value so and I, I love the spirit of generosity that sits below that and and in everything that you do um I've, I've, that's all i've kind of known you to be in, in our conversations in our kind of relationship is um it's always been generosity and how can you add value to people and so would definitely encourage anyone to to reach out and just connect with you in general obviously connect and connect on linkedin and and, and get yeah. some of the content you're putting out there and stay in touch about some of the conversations for the next book um and then um yeah obviously just reach out and connect and, and jump into one of those public workshops as a, as a really great place to start but a huge thank you thanks so much for coming on the podcast and 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 unpacking this further with us oh thanks shane i've had a whole lot of fun that's it for another week of phone calls with clever people thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released and of course i'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews have a fantastic week